everybody. This is Anna and Brian from Amato World Podcast. And today we have special guest from the creative industry, Ross, who is a director of multi-award winning films at Deadline Films UK. And he directed around four short films since 2017. And hi, Ross. How are you? Uh, hello. Thank you very much for having me. Hello, Anna. Hello, Brian. Can you give a small introduction to yourself and your background? I'm a director at Deadline Films UK. We are a award-winning short film production company. Since 2017, we've done four short films and we've just released a web series a couple of weeks ago, which follows on from our original shorts with Deadline Films UK. You can see all of our work over at clippist.com. That's clippist with a K. That is a short film platform like Netflix for short films. I highly recommend the platform if you want something to watch, if you want to watch, see a short film, see a variety of really good short films. They're over there. Really, 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 really recommend the platform. Nice. I'm also curious, like, how did you first get into filmmaking? Maybe you could tell us a bit more about, like, what inspired you to get into this the story, for sure. Oh, that's, that's, that's a good question. I mean, um, it is a story. So I watched Goodfellas when I was way too young. Way, way, way too young. It's like 11 years old, right? And my parents would let me watch it. It was on the TV times. You know, I used to get back in the days before everything was on apps and that. You used to get the TV times or radio times, whatever. Sc- scroll through and see the films. And this film was on Goodfellas. Well, that looks interesting. I asked my parents to watch it. And they said no, obviously. So I set the VCR on a timer without them knowing. Got up really early, kind of ran downstairs, grabbed the tape, and then ran back upstairs and hid it under my bed all day when I was at school, year seven at the time, and then came back and put it in the VTR player. The opening kind of grabs you by the throat pretty much straight away. And, you know, I wouldn't advocate for an 11-year-old to watch it, but, you know, I'd never seen anything like that. And just just the speed of that film, the style, the way it was told, I was kind of grabbed by that immediately. So, right, I want to do this. I want to make things like this. And for a while, I'm not really kind of knowing why, but, you know, being led down that rabbit hole by you know, Goodfellas and, and Scorsese and, and kind of trying to find like you know Scorsese's other work and, and how that related to me. I think I made a mistake, as I think a lot of people do. Like you try and watch a lot of films when you're very young and you don't understand them. So like, you know, I watched Godfather films when I was 12 years old and didn't really understand them, really didn't like part two. And now it's one of my favorite films. It's just, you know, you need to get older and you need to kind of understand it more and, and, and understand the themes of it. And that's part of the reason why these films are like, have got age ratings on. It's not just because of, you know, what it contains, but the themes and, and, and if you're going to understand them. You know, I used to be a really big horror head when I was a kid and you know, me and my mate would watch loads and loads and loads and loads of horror films. And one that, you know, we watched when we were really young and we didn't think much of was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it was like, yeah, there's nothing to that. But now... I mean, that, I find that a really incredibly disturbing film now. Despite the fact there's no blood in it or anything like that, it's all vibes, it's all mood, it's movies. A lot of that comes from sound design. That's kind of how I got started, or interested me in it. And then I think, like most people, you kind of start trying to make shorts with like the action men dolls that you have and whatever little camcorder that your parents have bought for a family holiday to Florida, and you're trying to kind of make stop motion animations but you can't just do one frame so you're kind of on off on off on off and it's really kind of jolty but you're kind of getting a little bit of odd movement around so that kind of gets you the principles of doing it and then like anyone like you try and make a i tried to make a live action short just didn't work many 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 times until 
I was very lucky to do a prep media diploma at school. And I was like in a class of five people. And I was the only one that was interested in filmmaking. And they bought a load of cameras and lights and all of that. So it was great. I got to just play around with all of that. And then that's kind of when I got to make my first live action short. That's when I was about 17, 18. Uh, and really tried to just kind of condense it down to things I could control. Let's try and do two people, very minimal dialogue, mostly kind of through what's said visually, which I think is also a mistake that a lot of people have when they first start approaching it. You know, switch a lot of filmmakers and they start writing shorts and it's like, oh, we're writing a zombie film and this is happening and this is happening and this is happening. And it's like, I don't believe you can pull that off at all, especially for a short, first short. So, yeah, do like two people in a room talking really good exercise to start with and things you can control and then it kind of grew from there um yeah so that, that was kind of how i started out and then i went to uni and i went to university of lincoln and met some people there that i continued to work with made some shorts too you know some were good some were not so good and maybe you can tell a little bit of your like the projects like, like hangover foods or the recent series you mentioned so Yes, Deadline. Deadline was formed in 2017. Myself, Craig McDonald Kelly, and David Hepburn. I'll give a massive shout out to them, the two Scottish actors. Uh, I met Craig on a previous short, and we kind of formed Deadline under the idea of let's make short films to a deadline, and then there's no excuse for not getting them done because they can drag on for ages. So our first one was Hangover Food, which is a ridiculous idea when you think about it. It's uh, two best mates, day after the morning, after a night out. Uh, one of them wants to go back on the lash because he screwed up with his Tinder date. The other one's dying from a hangover. But it turns out he hasn't got a hangover. He's been turned into a vampire. Hilarity ensues. And that was our first short with Deadline. It was a real kind of change for me going from, I've made, since I've graduated, I've made some quite high budget short films, which, you know, like five, six thousand pound short films, which hadn't done anything. To be honest, they've been made and they haven't been accepted by any festivals. So this was a real change of thinking to go, let's spend absolutely no money on a short film. So I think we spent 300, 400 pounds on Hangover Foods. Nothing, honestly, nothing. Uh, so it's some really, really, really cool people at Festival Formula who I, you know, just shout about all day. If you are a filmmaker, there is absolutely no reason not to get in touch with Festival Formula. Uh, and yeah, they, they took it, submitted some festivals, and we did 14 festivals and won four or five awards with Hangover Food. Yeah, that was mad. That was mad. We were going up against like 20 grand films and we were winning with essentially this kind of dialogue piece, which is in a bedroom with just two people talking. And then from, from there on, uh, the original idea of Deadline was that it was going to be kind of like a rotating wheelhouse of directors. And a few other filmmakers came in and, and did a few shorts. So like Charlie Dennis and Adam Hells Walker, who are again, have both have amazing work and I've, I've kind of highly plugged their stuff. Uh, come in and made some very well received shorts for the company. I made another short called Bringing Out, which is kind of like a psychological psychological thriller set in a room again. That had an online release. I made a short called Bite, which is really interesting, all in rhyming couplets. The script had no action words in it at all. It was all just dialogue. So that was a really interesting exercise in how to adapt that. And that's about a um, middle-aged man who owns a computer shop who sent a package. Again, all in rhyming couplets. That's on Clippers. So if you get a chance to check that out. Again, did very well. I think I did 15 festivals, won two awards, got nominated for a few others. 
And then that actually came out after the next one, Shadowboxer, because it took so long in post to do, just because the, the elements of it, you know, because you've got you've got voiceover with the edit, you've got, we've got this like music piece that's inspired by Birdman, kind of like one drum piece. So everything had to kind of, every time you redo one thing, everything has to be redone and it comes together. So it took about like, 18 months in post. And this is one of the things about like making short films, if you don't have any money, is you're asking people to work sometimes for next to nothing in their normal day job. So like things will take time, unfortunately. And that's, that's the nature of the beast. If you don't have the money, things will take time because it's a passion project you have to be okay and then we made a short film called shadow boxer which i'm very proud of that was that was very different again trying to push myself out of it out of um, my comfort zone and that kind of came down to the needs of the project so i am an ad on sets outside of directing that's how i know anna and i had done a film called the gentleman sky richie gangster film which i'm actually in if you look in the weed farm I am one of the botanists tending to the marijuana. Uh, and also, like, to Hugh Grant's hands are my hands. That's a little shameless plug for you there. Check out the hands. They do not look like Hugh Grant's hands. They're very young hands, then. So, yeah, one of Colin Farrell's gang in that film, the gang is called the Toddlers, one of the gang, Prime Time, is played by Chris Evangelo, who's a former professional boxer. He wanted to tell a short film about some follow some relationships through boxing heard about what i was doing we hooked up had a, had a conversation about making a boxing film and here's where the idea came from he said that he could get access to a ring for half an hour we could go and shoot wides and i kind of went why do i want to go into a ring and shoot wides can't we shoot the whole thing in half an hour and see all the audience because the idea would be that we steal we steal a crowd we don't pay a crowd steal it so then it became about right how do you want to see the audience for all the all of the film you've got to shoot the entire film in 30 minutes and that's a 10 minute short film in 30 minutes how do you do that in a way that's not multi-camp it's not boring so okay right let's take our our weakest point here which is time and let's flip that so it becomes our usp so let's take that our lack of being able to do coverage and let's turn it into a one-take film so we can get around that and it also helped that i was working in 1917 at the time so could kind of see how that was being done on a, on a bigger set and, and kind of knew that when that came out, hopefully our film would come out around the same time and it would be riding that wave. So we, for five weeks, every Sunday, we went to a gym and we rehearsed, 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 rehearsed. So it became a dance between the actors and the camera and I would film every rehearsal and edit it afterwards and send it to people on these kind of like crapomatics so you could kind of get an idea of what's going on. And then we, 5th of July 2019, we went into the ring and we shot a short film in 30 minutes, which is absolutely batshit, thinking about it. Sorry, that was really fun. And we kind of approached that one like theatre. Uh, kind of where, what we are doing is locked, obviously down to you know, adrenaline and whatever kind of mini changes happen on the night when you've got 300, 400 people watching you do this kind of piece of interactive theatre. But what the audience do, that, that's what we'll have to live with. And they're all really game for being on side with them. So yeah, it's you know I'm still really proud of it. I saw it on a big on a big screen recently. And it does hold up, but it's one of those projects we kind of we treated like theatre. We're like, right, whatever we get, we get because there's no way of going and redoing this. We just we have to do it. That's it. Do it. Send it away. And that brings us on to my latest project, Vampire Influencer, which revisits the world of hangover food. So we love the world of hangover food. We've written scripts about 
the boys. They're called Bruce and Lee because they actually called Craig David, Bruce Lee. We love that world. It's it's so silly and charming and this great mash between kind of, you know, British best friends and high genre elements and just mashing them together. And it shouldn't quite work, but it does. So, yeah, we loved it. So we're trying to pitch some hangover related, hangover food related projects for a long time. And it's worth getting off the ground. So we should, let's just make a web series and, and see what happens. And hopefully we can kind of get people interested in them again. And, and we, you know, use the mood boards that I'd already been using for the you know, projects we were pitching in that world. Um, and wrote a new, wrote a new piece, which happens after the events of the original Hangover Food, where the vampire Lee is so bored at being stuck inside the house, he decides to try and become a YouTube influencer and chaos and hilarity ensue over five episodes. So it's been out for two weeks now. We had a screening that went down really well. We've got, I think, three reviews back now, five out of five, four out of five, nine out of 10. It's really good. People that have seen it really like it. Uh, hopefully it's starting to open up a few doors. Uh, yeah, I'm excited about the future of it. I actually seen it, yeah, like on the opening, like before you released it. I really liked it. Thank you very much. So what happens to all these short films after you, I guess, pass them through festivals? Like what typically happens after you're done like filming it? Can you talk us through that? So, yes, absolutely. There's two ways to think about this. There's kind of a UK model and an American model. And actually the American model is more helpful. So UK, we kind of go pre-production, production, post-production, right? But it's not that. It's make and sell. And if you're not very good at the sell, you can have Citizen Kane sitting on your laptop. Yeah, ain't going to do it. Right? So you need to either become really good at the sell or you need to find people that are really good at the sell or you need to approach festival juries. And more often than not, you won't be very good at the sell until it's been done successfully with your own project so again i'm gonna plug katie mccullough as you know it's katie big now now she got married her and ian have got married congratulations if you are listening to this uh, katie and ian at festival formula and the people there who are absolutely lovely and have grown as a company since we used them for hangover food and you know has some really kind of things to say about our web series they are a boutique company that specialize in short film distribution but their knowledge is unparalleled. And also their USP is that they will watch your film for free and give feedback before you, they take you on the slate. They might not take you on the slate. And that's kind of what I, I recommend to anyone making a first or second film, just any film in general, any short film, send it to them because they'll be able to give you feedback, you know, honest, honest constructive, critical feedback. Uh, and yeah, they don't take you on. You need to kind of understand why that is. And it's not personal. That sometimes is a hard thing for a first-time filmmaker to take when it's, you know, you think your film is a masterpiece because you've been attached to it for so long. And sometimes it is, and that, that is hard to take. They haven't taken all of our shorts, and that is also fine. But yes, so, you know, you'll get together, you'll, you'll put together a list of, of festivals that are kind of, in the, in the three, three or four different tiers, they kind of go from, you know, your super high ends, like you can, Sundance, Venice, Tribeca, all of that. So you kind of like town festivals under that. So like uh, somewhere like Chelmsford or Romford in the UK. And then under that, you've kind of, uh, your, your genre festivals and it goes all the way down. It goes down to like, you know, something that's put on by a student, really. Your, your local town. So it is worth knowing those tiers, even though I'm just kind of trying to regurgitate them off the top of my head. But 
you kind of know what tiers you're approaching and, and whether you're going to you know, realistically be able to get into them. I also kind of know the another percentage that you'll get into, which is about 10%, right? So you submit 50 festivals, if you get into five, you're doing all right. And that, and that is also very hard to take when, you know, you start getting things rejected. Sometimes, you know, your film will get rejected because of, you know, the trends that were last year. It's not anything about your film. It's just about, you know, the trends. People might not. You know, we made Shadowbox and we, we made a film that was meant to be seen on a big screen and then COVID happened. And we're also, the year before, there were a lot of female boxing films. So, you know, out of like 50 festivals, I think we got into five or six. And we were thinking it was going to do, you know, a lot better. And, and there, that, that's the thing also, like, just don't have any expectations about these things. Like, it's better not to just, if it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, just try and, you know, Teflon shoulders, right? And that's kind of part of the, part of the thing with this game is you have to get really, 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 really thick skin, really good at projection. Because you won't get any feedback on your film either. It will just be like, no, no, no. So that's it. Uh, so yeah, you will end up. Uh, so like with the original Hangover Food, we went to Chelmsford first. We won the Audience Awards, which I'm actually looking at just over my laptop here. Uh, so we won that to start with, and that was a huge win for us. And then we ended up doing films like Portsmouth, uh, few in the US, uh, and like Atlanta Underground comedy, which is really interesting. That often comedies don't travel very well, especially British comedies. British comedies kind of rely on those stagnant pauses and awkwardness, which sometimes doesn't com- convey very well in America. Whereas this, the, guy, the guys are Scottish, that maybe helps, but it's kind of quite in a, a high speed rat way rather than those stagnant pauses. So obviously that carries over, over to the States, over the pond, across the pond, I should say. Sorry. And yeah, so we, first of all, we put together a package for us, we did those festivals. And then we'll sometimes just get picked up by another festival, get seen, some will, some will see something, like, oh, yeah, we want to put it here or we want to show it here, and that's what will happen. So after it's done that festival run, then you can do an online festival run with it. So like Shadowboxer did, Film Shortage, we were short of a month, I think, there. And then we, because we know the lovely folks at Kino, Short Film Festival in London, or Kino Film Festival in London, I should say, by Dustin, he selected Shadowbox to be the Pixel of the Week, and yeah, so you'll do that. You'll do yeah, festivals, online festivals, and then find a platform for it to be hosted on, which is Flipist, which is all the films created by Craig, who I run their department. And so the folks are lovely there. We partnered with Flipist to put on the event for screening of Vampire Influencer. Hangover Food was, uh, I think, one of the first short films on the platform when they launched. So, yeah, it was a nice kind of full circle moment. I would like to ask you, what do you think about the current writer strike and actor strike? Do you have any thoughts about that? Oh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a very troubling time. I completely understand, you know, where the WGA and you know, SAG are coming from. And looking at the, looking at the salaries of the CEOs is absolutely unbelievable. It puts a lot of people out of work, unfortunately. And rumours of the strike amongst other things means that the industry leading up to this point in this year has been, you know, for some people, like myself, it's been very quiet. Um, and now, yeah, it's, you know, absolute solidarity with the WGA, solidarity with the SAG, but it would be nice for the changes to be reflected to the below-the-line crew crew members who are so often overlooked. You know, I was looking at something from the, why the WGA were striking 
a month ago before the, you know, the SAD went to it. And it's about residuals, right? Uh, and I know that friends that do get residuals off doing films. But like crew, like we don't get any residuals. I don't know anyone that's got any residuals. I think Coppola maybe used to do it in with Zoetrope back in the 70s. That's kind of like a bonus thing. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, they both. Film is, the film industry is kind of like a microcosm for society at large, right? And trickle down economics. It, don't, it doesn't work. You know, the people at the bottom that are doing the most work always are paid the least. And yeah, it's, you kind of have to fight sometimes, fight for your rate. And it can be quite upsetting as well. Like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of work and I'm bringing a lot of value here, but I'm, you know, I don't feel like I'm being rewarded, especially for the budget. Uh, and, and those are those are fights over little things that you can end up have, having in productions. Uh, things that you really shouldn't have fights over. Because, you know, you know, whatever company you're working for, you've clearly got the money. Why can't we just have this thing that we need to do our job safely or, or well? But so, yes, completely behind the, the, um, behind the unions. I just really, really, really hope those reflections are, those changes are reflected to below the line workers as well. You know, the strikes have been going on for some time. Do you think we're close to seeing any resolution to that or still a lot of things to negotiate? I noticed so much. I think that there's still a lot of things to negotiate. I think that now the actors have joined the strikes. I think it's a lot more pressing for them to get fixed because I'm sure you both have read what I've read about what the mentality towards writers was. Let them lose their houses, let them lose their flats, their condos, let them go bankrupt. Like we're not going to negotiate with them. It was what the you know what the producers were saying. But now that now the actors have. You know, now the actors are, are joined with that. There's a lot. It's a lot more pressing for them to resolve that. But I mean, some of the things I was reading, or you know, came out in that SAG press conference, were absolutely mad. Like one company wanted to basically scan background artists once, pay them one time, and then keep their likeness in the computer forever. It's absolutely mad. And you know, there were rumours of studios getting AI to write scripts, and then they'd hire a screenwriter to come in and and kind of do a pass over it afterwards. Yeah, it's absolutely mad. I think it's a, maybe a bunch of change the industry's having. Like you look at historically how the film industry has been, and certainly from like the change from like classical Hollywood to the new wave, and then the end of the new wave into into the eighties when you know some blockbusters became quite prevalent. That's that that's a big change. And I feel like that's what we're kind of having now, um, because back then when we started, you know, from the seventies to the eighties, you know, these blockbusters their budgets were what like twenty thirty million maybe. And now studios are spending what 150 to 300 million on a project, right? So if it if it doesn't work, there's far more risk. And also, like the space for the mid-budget film has gone; it doesn't really exist anymore. I don't know last time like there was a really successful 30 to 60 million dollar film that's gone to TV now. And then that comes in the issue with streamers as well. And yeah, for as good as streamers are for being able to take risks on projects. Um, and, and not have to worry about the initial box office income is everything that's based on that that initial opening weekend. They kind of clearly advertising as a new medium, so they're not having to pay people actual rates. And that's why, like the WGA are striking. Like, it comes down to issue streamers and what people are being paid. Um, 
and myself having worked with some streamers i can tell you that is correct do you do you have any hopes and predictions for the future of the filmmaking industry from the small scale starting from your projects and after going to the, the big scale so for myself member of a body called directors uk it kind of does what it says on the tin i've been accepted to on the inspire program which is a mentorship program over the next 12 months under a director called chris cotton who works in features tv and commercials so that's really exciting my goals over the next 12 months are i would like to you know, start directing commercials i think that's a that's a next step for me as a director so that's that's quite exciting but it takes a lot of work to do that obviously i'm developing my own projects hanging with food whatever form that it'll end up in developing that developing another feature that i'm really excited about that we've got a script for it's always about finding the money even though this thing is like 50 grand it's always about finding the money and that's the hardest thing so yeah numerous projects various days in development trying to get into commercials and yeah see what happens over the next 12 months learning from an experienced director and being guided with the goal to you know at the end of it to hopefully be directed commercials that's 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 the end goal over the next 12 months maybe some projects that are, are being developed as well as for the industry we'll have to see how long these strikes go on for i think that there's going to be so many things that shut down now and so many things are shut down that that probably hopefully it won't take too long to resolve and hopefully ceos are brought around producers are brought around the negotiating table and they can make the change for above the line and below the line crew will that happen probably not uh, i think that there'll be a deal that's cut to kind of you know appease appease the bodies that are striking and then we'll, we'll we will go on and there'll be some kind of workarounds that the producers use or a way of kind of way of getting around it, you know what I mean? Like I've just I've experienced that too much. I've experienced that way of 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 you know they can do this, but actually the loophole is this, and we'll go with the loophole instead. Yeah, I I can't see I can't see the industry functioning for too much longer if if, if everyone's on strike. They have to get them sorted, and there there's probably a backlog of projects as well that are waiting to to get off the ground. I think that um certainly like the upcoming releases like once we get past you know. Barbenheimer, that you know, people have done all the the press for, right? Especially if we get towards the you know the big releases, the back end of the year. The only thing kind of comes to mind is June. You're going to need answers to that, right? So you're going to need to resolve this strike. Otherwise, you're you know you're wasting a load of money promoting something that the actors aren't on you know on board with. So yeah, it it does it is get sorted. It is get sorted now. We we'll just see which see if the um. How long the producers hold out, shall we say, until when they can get around Yeah, to for sure. All right. I think we're reaching the end of the podcast, so I'd like to leave you a few minutes at the end just to give a little shout out to anyone. Sweet. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Absolute pleasure. Good to speak to you both. So we are deadlinefilmsuk.com. Um, you can find us on Clippist. Shout out to... Craig McDonald Kelly, shout out to David Hepburn, who I've been Deadline Films with. I've been able to do this without you guys. Shout out to all of our crew on Vampire Influencer. We had, it's not the biggest crew, but there are a lot of people, so I want to go through you all. But yeah, thank you, everyone. Yeah, and everyone I've worked with over, you know, over the last few years in trying to get to this position. Uh, everyone that's kind of made shorts with me. A big thank you, and uh, I look forward to what the future brings.
Great. Thank you so much. You're most welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Bye. 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 Goodbye.